So good morning and welcome to another All Saints Conversation. I am Connie Willems and I'm actually not going to be with you long today because Brock, welcome Brock by the way, you and I have some special guests with us this morning. And so we are going to have this great, well you're going to have this great conversation as we talk about some of the background of what God has done among us in our country and is going to be doing with us again. So I'll talk with you at the end of the conversation, but I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our guests. We're going to talk about the Jesus People Movement today and the fact that God's going to do something again with the young people in the future. We have with us John Rutke. So we're glad you're here. Thanks Thank you. For, thanks Enjoy for Enjoy to be here. So what we want to do, we, uh, we want to talk about the Jesus People Movement that you lived through, John. Mm-hmm. And... We want to set it up, not like a museum relic that we're looking at, but the fact that God moves in the past and God continues to move. So we want to look at the Jesus People Movement and learn some things from it, glean some things. What what could we learn to even prepare for what God might do in 2018 and moving forward? So we're going to talk about your involvement, a little bit of historical context, um, a guy named Lonnie Frisbee. And talk about Lonnie Frisbee's interaction with John Wimber, and so we're looking forward to having a good conversation. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite subjects, and um, let me just share a little bit of my testimony. Yeah. I, 1975 is actually when I got saved, so I was like in the not the front end of the Jesus movement, but like in the middle of the Jesus movement, more towards going towards the tail end of it. But what happened was it's a generation and a time when many of us were um it was the hippie time period yeah so there's a lot that was happening in that time period a lot of turmoil vietnam war assassination of john kennedy assassination of martin luther king uh assassination assassination of robert kennedy so very painful things that we were experiencing as young people and um as a young person growing up, you're, I would say for me personally, just growing up in my neighborhood, it was something quite different than um, what you're experiencing even today because it was a big departure from my f- father and mother's generation. Mm-hmm. We were Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're into Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> That's yeah. a big jump. Big jump. <laughs> And, you know, I can remember the first time when, you know, a drug dealer came into my neighborhood and we were all looking, wow, what is that? So then we're starting to explore drugs. Yeah. That's a big departure from, you know, our parents drinking cocktails or whatever yeah. to now we're smoking weed and then we're moving even further into hallucinogenics. Yeah. So we're being opened up to a spiritual realm and the status quo of that time period was not going to answer the questions of what was deep inside of our hearts. So you saw a big departure into Eastern mysticism and transcendental meditation became a big deal at that time. You got the Beatles showing up. Music was changing dramatically. The way we looked changed dramatically. I remember the first time a guy came into my neighborhood who had long hair. I was just going, what is that? (laughs) And he had, we called them beatniks at that time. Beatniks ultimately came to bo- being bohemic to hippies and everything became natural. Yeah. So it was a, the, the, the staggering 
moving thing that was behind all of this was we cannot contend with status quo. We have to be, there has to be a revolution yeah. to change this. Yeah. So we're really revolutionaries. Mm -hmm. It was in the very warp and woof of who we were as people. Yeah. Revolutionary. People. Yeah. Hmm. So how did you come in contact with the Jesus people movement? And what, how well, I, I grew up on the East Coast and uh, this is like 1974 and I was going to play football at a college out on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was, at that time, I became involved in Buddhism and became very devout in Buddhism. I led my whole family into Buddhism and all my friends, everybody became Buddhists. And uh, we were just, we were just on a spiritual journey. And uh, I'm telling you, pretty much everybody that I was around was on that journey. And I did not know anybody who professed Jesus yeah. at that particular time. We were all like into Eastern mysticism, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I come out, very devout Buddhist, led my whole family into Buddhism. I'm coming out to the West Coast, play football at this college. And as I'm hitchhiking out across the nation, I run into a guy in uh, Utah, because I always wanted to go to the Great Salt Lakes and you know go swimming in the Great Salt Lake. So I met this guy in a bus station of all places. I was cleaning up there. And uh, that was the first time I'd had somebody my age confront me with Jesus. And uh, he was, uh, I met him at the bus station and he said, hey, I want to go uh, to San Francisco. I have a bus ticket, but I'd really like to hitchhike. And I've never found anybody who I could hitchhike with. So can I do it with you? I said, yeah. He said, oh, by the way, I love Jesus. I never heard anybody say those words. I never even heard that term. And he says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I said, awesome. I'm a Buddhist. Yeah. This is going to be great. So we are hitchhiking from Salt Lake City to San Francisco. I did not know anything about the Jesus movement. I'd heard about Jesus freaks before. Because right. it was starting to like manifest all over the place <laughs> by that time. But once I got to California, it was really a phenomenon. So I go to Northern California, and actually, you know, historians say that that uh, Haight-Ashbury was the epicenter of the Jesus movement. That was the place where it really started, because people were reaching out. A couple families decided that they were going to reach out to the hippies that were a lost group of people, and they were going to quit their jobs, and they were going to just go try to reach out into Haight-Ashbury. Mm -hmm. And uh, as they were trolling the waters, because they were hippies themselves, mm -hmm. this family was, as they were trolling the waters, I'm kind of like diverting to this yeah. particular historical point of the Jesus movement. This is in the early, late 60s. Um, they started to reach out to people on the streets and bring them in, give them food, share the gospel with them, People were getting saved. Well, while they were trolling those waters, they ran upon a young guy named Lonnie Frisbee. Hmm. And Lonnie had come from Southern California up to Northern California to um, study art. Um, he got an art scholarship because he was a very gifted artist, yeah. even as a young kid. He's like 17 years old. So 
Aunt Lonnie turns around 18 and they find uh, Lonnie on the streets. Lonnie comes in. Lonnie was in a flying saucer cult at the time. You know, it's like, but that's just Literally, how it was. Yeah. We were all into all that kind of stuff. So all of that influenced Northern California, San Francisco area where this guy was from. And all of these young people, I went to this guy's house. I never felt the love of God. There was something so distinctive about this group of people. I never, and they were all my age. Yeah. And there was like a purity about them and love about them. And they were talking about Jesus all the time. I was like, I never heard anybody talk about Jesus on a Wednesday. You know, <laughs> took me to their church. They're lifting their hands up. I've never seen anything like that. And they're worshiping like songs that I had never heard before. So anyway, it was very confusing. So, um, but this was the beginning of a movement, like in the late 60s, and God started to move, you know, uh, very powerfully, but it started very organically with people laying their lives down and saying, we need to go to this group of people. And it was the hippie community. Who better else to evangelize hippies than other hippies? Yeah. That said, hey, we see a need here, and God wants to. God had really touched them. Mm -hmm. Now there was another movement that was coming alongside that was parallel to this. It was called the Charismatic Movement. Now that actually started in the early '60s, and God was moving in the traditional churches with the power of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and so God was starting to do something on a very sovereign kind of a way. God was moving very sovereignly here. And so he was starting to capture the traditional churches with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, specifically with speaking in tongues, with the power of God coming and speaking in tongues. So these things are parallel moves of the Holy Spirit, and there's some interaction between, between the two. What role was Lonnie having in the Jesus People movement as he moved out of the UFO cult? Yeah. And... And then how did you, how did you meet him? What? Well, what happened was once uh, God got a hold of Lonnie up in San Francisco, Lonnie had been heavily influencing people. Actually, there's a book out by uh, Roger Sachs that he wrote about Lonnie, which is really a good read. I really highly recommend that to whoever might be listening to this about Lonnie Frisbee. It's, it's a, a book that uh, Roger wrote and it's, it's uh the title of it is uh, Not By Might, Not By Power. And it's the, the underlying is the Jesus Revolution. And so um, it's really, Lonnie wanted me to write this book for him, but it's really Lonnie speaking from a recorder and really Roger transcribing Lonnie's words. Yeah. So if you want to know a good history of that, yeah. I really highly recommend that book. That is really, that'll tell you the story. And there's a book also that has come since that book that, kind of takes you from the vineyard time period on to, you know, after, up to Lonnie's death. Part two. Really. Part two, yeah, which is really another good read, which is very easy to read. So Lonnie had, uh, like I had mentioned before, that generation of the hippies, we were a revolutionary type of things. We were, we were like exploring drugs and psychedelics, and Lonnie was really like, Lonnie was like a troubadour no matter where he was at. And Lonnie... Uh, had gone deep into psychedelics like LSD and things like that. And he thought that was like, man, it was exploring the supernatural realm. So he 
was a natural troubadour, so he was leading people into LSD by the hundreds. And then he felt like when he found Jesus up in uh, San Francisco in Haight-Ashbury with that group of people, he became part of that community. And then he felt, because he grew up in Costa Mesa, California, which is in Southern California, he goes and he moved, he's felt like he needed to go back and tell those people about Jesus. So that's what he did. He moved back down to Southern California and uh, started to evangelize people because he felt like this was the answer for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, dressed up like John the Baptist kind yeah, of stuff. Like long John hair, yeah, long hair, you know, deer skin, you know, uh, cloak, the whole nine yards. You know, you would have not have distinguished him from John the Baptist to anybody First else. century figure. Yeah. There are pictures, too, in here on page 88 in that book by... Saxworth, hundreds and hundreds of people are gathered right. on the coast right. getting baptized. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Back in that time period, um, literally, God brought a gill nut out for a lost generation. It was as sovereign as sovereign could be. Hmm. It is, you know, I, this intersection of sovereignty and the, you know, God moving upon the intercessors and you know I, I just can imagine all the grandmothers and mothers and fathers that started to get touched by the baptism of the Holy Spirit in like a traditional church setting just going God please grab a hold of our kids God bring it Lord bring them in Lord bring them in just a deep deep cry and you know listen God heard that cry God moved on my generation and, the, and the, all of a sudden, this lost generation is being found by Jesus, and he is redeeming us by the thousands. Look, God started to move. Lonnie chose the way, and you know, Lonnie is a central figure in this. So, I mean, you know, like God really used a broken vessel yeah. powerfully. This, look, I don't know who's listening to this, but I don't care where you've been or what you've been involved in, God is a redeemer. And he's big on recycling. <laughs> His redemption plan knows no end. And he has a plan for you. And he chooses the simple and the base to confound the wise. So there's great hope for all of us here. So Lonnie, decided that he was going to evangelize by hitchhiking. That literally is what how he would do. He would lead people to Christ and say, you can let me off at the next exit. That's how he evangelized. Well, this one day, this guy picks him up and Lonnie's preaching the gospel to him. He said, I didn't even believe hippies could be saved, the guy said. <laughs> he said, not only, not only <laughs> what's he, he was articulate in how he approached me in the car. And this particular individual was dating a pastor's daughter at the time. And the pastor's name was Chuck Smith. And unbeknown to uh, the kid that picked Lonnie up hitchhiking that day, Chuck and his wife had been crying out to God. And they went to Huntington Beach crying out to God for the young people. And Chuck at that time is probably in his 40s. And 
kind of like right wing John Bircher type, you know, I mean, you know, balding, you know, and they cried out to God and said, how are we going to reach these hippies? He said, I didn't even know any hippies. How are we going to reach these kids? I mean, he literally was coming from a four square kind of perspective, which is a very conservative Pentecostal that came out of Amy Simple McPherson, which came out of Azusa Street. So we're talking about a lineage that really has a bloodline spiritually, or spiritual bloodline connected really to the Azusa Street. Visitation, revival, exactly. Yeah. So they cried out and they said, God, how are you going to grab a hold of these young people? So the kid that picked up Lonnie said, you know, you need to meet my girlfriend's mom and dad. So he drives him straight over to Chuck's house. And Chuck, and as you hear Chuck's description of it, he says, here's our first hippie that we've ever met. And for hours, they stood engaged in the presence of God with Lonnie. And Chuck's wife, Kay, started prophesying, you'll be the troubadour that God will use to bring in the young people. The next Sunday, Lonnie brings like six kids in with no shoes on <laughs> to his church, with like barefoot, barefoot with bells on their, you know, because we had bell bottoms and bells and, you know, you know, girls wearing no bras, you know, and we're going into a Pentecostal kind of an environment. Right. And we're here. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> we're here with Jesus. And it starts with six. Then it starts with 12. Then it goes to the next week. And now you've got 20. And they're all in various stages of needing deliverance. So Chuck decided that they were going to rent a house to help with the young people. Now, to Chuck's credit, listen, Chuck got pushback on all of this stuff. Chuck said, look, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going for the young people. Like it or not, this is where we're going to go. This is who God's after. You know, I mean, you just tear a whole congregation apart from that. You have to see the big picture of what God's going to do. This is where we've got to be right now. Because there's a big 80,000 foot view that God wants us to have right now on what he's about ready to say and do. Because all the old school guys that I hang with, all the Jesus movement guys, we're feeling it, man. We're feeling the blowing of the wind again. God, could you come with another move of your Holy Spirit with great power, great anointing. Begin to move, Lord. God, we're crying out to you, Lord. I mean, when we got saved, I remember when I first got saved, I mean, we were like, I, I quit everything and I just wanted to serve Jesus. And of course we thought, you know, Jesus was coming back next week. So right. yeah, the great plate, late planet earth was our, we had the Bible and the late great planet earth, you know? Hallelujah. Yeah. And I went to, uh, I went to, I switched schools, I quit football, I quit everything, man. I just wanted to serve Jesus, you know, because, man, that was so powerful. Oh, by the way, it was such a powerful impact on my life. I hitchhiked back across the United States to go tell my family about Jesus. And everybody, I picked me up hitchhiking. I just preached the gospel to until I couldn't. 
breathe. We had this, you know how Samson lit the tails of the foxes. We had our tails lit on fire and we were going through every wheat field we could find and we were lighting it up. On fire. On fire. So, so what, getting back to Lonnie's story, you know, Chuck opened up a house right down the street from his house. And he, uh, it became like one of the community houses and got fill, filled quick. Now, Chuck already had five kids. That got filled. They had to get another house. That got filled. Got another house. That got filled. And then they went to the Blue Top Motel and took over that whole thing. And that became the community. And out of those communities, all the leaders of Calvary Chapel pretty much came out of. Just exponential. Exponential growth. growth. Exponential growth. You know, yeah. listen, this takes on a life of its own. Yeah. When the yeah. Spirit of God begins to move, when God breathes on stuff, yeah. there is nothing. It is a fire, yeah. literally a fire mm. that goes and it just starts to hit everything that moves. And that's what you're sensing. We're on the cusp of. We're on the cusp of something like that. That's what the old, definitely all the old school guys are. Because they've been there. They yeah, we've been there, done that. Listen, we, yeah. They're... One of the things I want to say, though, that even when I was, that's different now than when we were caught in this move, was I was just begging God, God, bring somebody with gray hair that, knows about this stuff you know of course chuck became you know one of the the leader of the uh calvary chapel movement and it actually became like kind of denomination really yeah and uh we can touch on that a little bit later because that became the transitional place for the vineyard movement but um i remember when i went to a transferred colleges and that said christian club meeting today i i went wow i'm a christian i'm gonna go i was a brand new christian I go in there and there's these two girls and uh, I said, where's the Christian club? They said, we're it and we've nominate you president. I said, well, wait, wait, wait a second. I actually haven't read the book of revelations yet. I don't, I don't like get it. They said, no, you, I said, well, I, I, I'm not qualified. You know, they said, oh yes, you are. You, you're, we, we have to have a treasurer and a secretary and a president. We nominate you president. Okay. And your heart is beating. So heart is beating out of my, my it's in my you're throat. Alive. Yeah. You're alive, so therefore. Yeah, you therefore you, you were being, well, that thing started, we had to move it out of a classroom into the middle of the quad. So many people showed up. Everybody was getting saved yeah. on the college campus. And I told him, I'm the most unqualified person to do this. But I was thinking to, where's the gray haired people? Man, does anybody like really understand the book of Revelation that could like come and help us here? <laughs> I haven't even read the Old Testament yet. I'm still confused between who Elijah and who Elijah is, you know. <laughs> you know, I get them confused. But now there's plenty of seasoned mothers and fathers. Yeah. I mean, look, man, look, the especially the old school guys, man, we are like going, wow. We do not want to be anything other than a piece of flagstone for these kids to step on to go further. Man, we can see it. The prayer movement, I'm seeing intercession on a level like I've never seen before. You got guys like Lou Engel and these guys filling stadiums of people fasting for a month. 
right. to come in here and start to cry out to God. Right. I mean, you're going to move something yeah. with that level of consecration. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah. there's a powerful preemptive strike that's coming with prayer fasting, uh, intercession on a level like I haven't seen ever. I want to make sure in our last few minutes is rich. I can hardly hold it together, frankly. Um, I want to make sure that we spend the last little bit. You already mentioned uh, the connection with Lonnie and the vineyard. Mm -hmm. That I'd love for us to end with that, if we could, okay. with you describing that 1981 event. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're moving through. I met Lonnie in 1979, so we're moving in that time period now. It's yeah. kind of like the Jesus movement is consolidated. You know, these things have short shelf lives. Sometimes moves moves of God do. And, uh, you know, Calvary Chapel has been pretty established and, you know, things are happening there. Lonnie and I, by that time, we're now roommates and we're traveling all over the, the Southern California region for sure. And just uh, bringing, you know, just the power of God to the Calvary Chapels because, you know, they have a propensity. Churches have a propensity to dry up and lose their focus and lose their history and not stay out on a on the cusp of what God's saying and doing. And so I would say that pretty much happened with what I was seeing with Calvary Chapels. And so, um, but we felt like there was a groundswell starting to happen. So there was a church called Calvary Chapel Yorba Linda. Now this, this group came out of a friend's church. So Calvary Chapel was a big leap for them. And uh, they were already charismatic, but they were, you know, fairly, you know, conservative and, uh, but man, the worship. First thing I remember when going into Calvary Chapel Yorba Linda was the worship. It's like, what is going on here? I mean, the Spirit of God was resting on the worship. I'd say worship is a key to everything, you know, especially in this next move that's coming. The worship is going to be a big part of what God's, because it's going to be the oil for the intercession and the oil and the uh, to prime the pump for what God's wanting to do in the intercession even part of it. But anyways, I saw that in the Calvary Chapel Yorba Linda. And I had no idea that, um, I had no idea that God was going to begin to move uh, like he moved at Calvary Chapel. But uh, we were being drawn into that place. We were, Lonnie and I were room, roommates at the time. So we go in and we're starting to see God starting to move very powerfully at the with the worship and just those kinds of things and uh so we decided we're going to go if you really want to know what's going on get with the intercessors so we went to an intercessors group meeting you know and it's kind of like a little bit odd for me to see women on the ground travailing i've never seen anything like that before at that time this is like like 1980s early 80s so um now i see it everywhere it looks like these women look like they're giving birth to a marine you know it was crazy but uh they said that they felt like God was calling, that they were pushing this baby down the birth canal and there was a little bit of a, a cork at the, at the top of the bottle. And I said, what, what was the cork? And they said, the pastor. <laughs> Sometimes pastors are that. You know, they don't want to release what God's wanting to do. I said, what's the pastor's name? They said, John Wimber. Huh, interesting. Didn't know him that well. Didn't I just knew that he was the guy on the platform. So um, what I see, what I saw after that was within six weeks, Lonnie and I are in Wimber's backyard. 
and he's with all the leaders of the vineyard, or it wasn't vineyard that time, it was Calvary Chapel and saying, Lonnie, we know you're here. We want to cut you loose. And we're going to do it on Mother's Day of all places. I thought, oh, Lonnie. <laughs> I told Lonnie, I pulled Lonnie aside. I said, Lonnie, they actually don't know what they're asking for here. And he said, I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'm going to behave myself. I don't want to ruin this relationship I have with these guys. Right. I said, okay, well, <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> so Mother's Day, 1981. Ooh, lid came off. Lid Talk came off. It. Yeah, it started out nice, you know. I mean, you can watch... Wimber on YouTube and him explaining some of these things. He said, you know, it's all, I was worried, you know, because I've, Rolani had a reputation of bringing just really uh, high level Pentecostal kind of a deal that you want to keep in a back room. And he said, you know, Lonnie started out and it was funny and Lonnie was hysterical. And let, one thing people didn't know about Lonnie, man, Lonnie could preach the paint off of walls. I mean, brother, that guy could peel it and speak into some things that was pretty prophetic and powerful yeah. once he got into a role. And he said, you know, it started out so funny and Lonnie was just starting. I thought, what, what am I worried about? And he said, and then he said, you know what? One thing we need to repent of, I mean, I'm highly putting it into the context of what he's saying, that we put the third person of the Godhead in a back room. How dare us do that? And he just called the young people forward. He said, look, this is who God's going to move on. So he called everybody forward, like 25 and under, come forward. And that was the end of the show. The Spirit of God dropped like a neutron bomb on that place. It was so funny. The microphone fell. The kid gets smoked, knocked to the ground. And he's blaring speaking in tongues in the microphone, and that's all you can hear. And Wimber and the whole staff is on the platform, sweat coming off of these guys. And you can just tell that they're hoping that this is God. Yeah. <laughs> Seems it was. Yes, it was. And uh, so, you know, really it was, to me, it was God coming back to bring visitation to the Calvary Chapels. But Chuck, being the leader of the Calvary Chapel, says, you know, this is not a direction that I feel strong that we are going to go in. So it was the division. And that at that division at that time was when God wanted to move the Calvary Chapels to the vineyards. And uh, John started the vineyard at that time. Actually, it was Ken Gullickson who actually established the vineyards and then... Uh, he gave it over to John, and that's how the vineyard started. So, um, people, if the vineyards only knew their history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is the importance of history, and as we talk about in All Saints, history is not boring. Yes. It's, it is a reflection on the activity of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So it's interesting, that's the note we're ending on, is not putting the Holy Spirit in the background. Right. Not handcuffing God, but right. saying... Like the Lord told Wimber, give me my church back. Right. You want to see my ministry now? So I appreciate your time sharing this. It's pretty amazing. 30 minutes flies. Um, what I'd like to ask is we end with you praying mm -hmm. that God will do it again. 
Oh, he's getting ready to do it again. No so we, about could it we end in, in prayer with that? I believe we yeah. could do that. Father, we just thank you for your presence right now. Whoever's listening to this right now, Lord, I pray that the fire of heaven come down upon your people, O oh God. Lord, bring the awakening like only you can bring, God. We need to see your kingdom come forth with great power with your anointing, Lord. God, I pray for everybody who is listening to this right now. Any type of bondage, come out from that right now. God has a plan for you. There's great purpose for your life. Great purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. And why don't I just add that part of all saints is we believe that the Holy Spirit comes like fire. But mingled in that is rigorous study. Yes. Study the Bible. Mm -hmm. Get into pray the Bible. Yes. Study church history. And so there's really no dichotomy between the life of the mind and the life of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't, it's not we're not talking about anything complicated. Theology is reflection on God in the presence of God. And we're convinced that that's like gasoline. Mm -hmm. You dump that on the fire of the Holy Spirit, what's happening, and it only deepens the roots. So that's what all saints, we're kind of a, uh, a military unit dropped in the middle of this mm -hmm. going on, and mm -hmm. we want to dump gasoline on What, what the we Spirit. believe, the old school guys, yeah. is spirit and truth are coming together now. Yeah. Because you can't have just spirit. Yeah. yeah. Just spirit, you blow up. Just truth, you dry up. Put the two together, you grow up. Yeah. And what we want to do is we want to see the two spirit and truth come together now and that's what we believe that's right. god is wanting to do exactly what you are doing. biblical doctrine and exactly. life in the holy yes. spirit and that's new testament exactly. nothing new yep. no one came up with that idea it's exactly. actually getting back to the, the original of jesus blueprint yep the apostles yeah so that is really the the scene that yes all saints is, is well this has been a great conversation and i would love to hear more but if you want to hear more about All Saints, you can go to our website at allsaints.center, and we will look forward to being with you again in another All Saints conversation. Mm -hmm.